Today's message is a, a great message for anyone who has ever felt that they didn't measure up or that they had to prove themselves for whatever reason. If you've ever felt criticized, misunderstood, underappreciated, or devalued, Jesus has good news for you today. Jesus also has some good news for anyone who may be puffed up with pride, thinking that they are better than someone else. It may be a hard word, one that takes you down a notch, but it's a good word because it can help you to stop measuring yourselves according to the false standards of the world and the things that we make up in our own minds. And it can help us to see ourselves as we really are in reality. To help us hear God's word today, we continue in our series, Studying the Year of Jubilee from the Old Testament. In ancient Israel in the Bible, every 50 years, the priests would blow a sacrificial ram's horn on the Day of Atonement and proclaim a year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee was an incredibly special year. There was no agricultural work during the Jubilee year. Everyone was given a year off to celebrate and to worship and uh, isn't that a wonderful concept, the idea of having a, a whole year off just to enjoy the life that God has given us? Also during the Jubilee year, slaves were set free. Listen to what Leviticus chapter 25 verses 39 through 41 says. If one of your fellow Israelites falls into poverty and is forced to sell himself to you, do not treat him as a slave. Treat him instead as a hired worker or as a temporary resident who lives with you, and, you will and he will serve you only until the year of Jubilee. At that time, he and his children will no longer be obligated to you, and they will return to their clans and go back to the land originally allotted to their ancestors. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Life was precarious for all people in ancient times and no less in ancient Israel. If you had a bad year or made some bad decisions, or if a drought or a swarm of locusts or some other pest destroyed your crop, or maybe uh, uh, foreign invaders raided your land and stole your harvest or burned your fields during time of war, you could lose everything. And there were so many different ways that people in an agricultural society could fall on hard times. And there was no welfare or disability checks. There were no social security or unemployment benefits. If you found yourself destitute, one of the few ways that you might be able to survive was be to sell your land. But if you sold your land, how in the world could you grow any food to eat? You would starve to death. And so oftentimes it also meant that you would sell a family member, or yourself, or your entire family even, into slavery. Thought, what an awful thing to have to contemplate doing. But if it's the only way you can survive, even though it's terribly degrading, it could mean at least you could live. At least you wouldn't starve to death. Sometimes slavery was the only way to survive. Slavery is not God's will for his people. We only have one master. The Lord our God is our master. 
He's a good master who is fair and truly cares about our well-being. Our master in heaven never uses us or abuses us or treats us unfairly, but always makes sure that we have what we need, that we are taken care of, that we are protected if we're faithful to him. But unfortunately, in a broken world in which we live, slavery is a fact of life. It was a literal fact of life in ancient Israel. But lest we think too highly of ourselves in our modern times, recognize that a kind of slavery is alive and well in America today. The average American today is over $58,000 in debt. Think about that. $58,000. And Proverbs 22.7 says, The rich roll over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. By this standard, the average American is deeply enslaved to debt. Debt and slavery were stark and literal realities in ancient Israel. But on the year of Jubilee, everyone's debts were forgiven and every slave was released. People returned to their own family's land. All life was reset to normal and everything was made right again. Everyone could make a brand new, fresh start. And this was great. I mean, it was a wonderful, wonderful blessing of God. But if you think about it, it also required some adjustments in people's attitudes toward one another. You may have uh, had someone who was your neighbor, but they were your slave. They had sold themselves to your family to be slaves. And you took care of them and they, and they worked for you. You may have grown accustomed to having them. They might have been your slave for 10 or 20 years. But then after the ram's horn announced the year of Jubilee, your neighbor was set free. They moved back to their family land and were free. And they were equal to you in every way, both in status and in land holdings. You think about that. If they were your slave, I sure hope you had been a good master to them. I hope you'd treated them fair and hadn't abused or misused them or degraded them or looked down upon them because now they're just as equal as you. And you surely hope they don't have a grudge against the way you treated them. Or perhaps you have been a slave to your neighbor for many years, always dependent upon them, always having to serve their wants and needs. And now the, the year of Jubilee comes and you're free. And you have spent years in humiliation and shame. But now your neighbors, you are your neighbor's equal again. And you have to look at them eye to eye as equals. I'm sure that. Must have took quite a bit of getting used to as well. No one likes to be humbled. No one wants to feel ashamed. No one wants to feel or be thought of as less than. We want to be proud. We want to be proud of who we are and the way we live. We want others to be proud of us. Maybe we even want to be admired by others. There are two great lies that the world tells people. The first lie is that you measure up. And we like to hear that lie. It feels good. 
when people tell us we measure up, we want to be cool, we want to be popular and liked and admired. When people affirm us, we feel valued and appreciated. We feel like we matter and we all want that and it feels good. But the second lie, the world tells us kind of like the first lie, but it's on the opposite side of the coin. It says you don't measure up. If you don't meet the world's false criterias, then you are unimportant, unwanted, unvalued, and dismissed. And many people spend a lot of their time trying to establish and maintain the image that they measure up. They measure up. In fact, much of the debt we see in our society today, debt that enslaves us, is acquired as we try to measure up to the world's arbitrary standards of who does and who doesn't matter. Do you wear the right clothes? Do you have a nice car? Do you live in a proper house? Do you have the right education? And we ask ourselves and we ask these questions of our children and our neighbors. And if we, we, we don't like the answers to our questions, there's always a credit card company, a lender, a mortgage company, a student loan that's available to help you acquire the things the world says you need in order to be important and respected in our society. And so many times, so many people trade freedom for debt and slavery so they can feel like they matter because the world says now they measure up. <clears throat> Jesus' disciples were certainly ambitious. They wanted greatness. They wanted to measure up. They jockeyed for power and position, even as they walked with Jesus, their humble master. Each one of them wanted to be known as the greatest disciple. I wanted to be the greatest in God's kingdom. I wanted to sit at his right hand, his left hand in the throne room. Mark chapter 9, verse 33 through 35 says, After they arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house, Jesus asked his disciples, What were you discussing on the road? But they didn't answer because they'd been arguing about which of them was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve disciples over to him and said, Whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Jesus' truth is that greatness is not measured by the world's standards. We are measured by the cross. Jesus says, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. He was the greatest of all, but remember he knelt down and washed his disciples' feet. We are not measured by the world's false standards which change with the whims of fashion and people's fickle imaginations. We are measured by God's eternal standard of Christ 
who left the glory of heaven and took the humble position of a slave and even died a criminal's death on a cross, not for his own sins, but for ours. Not because we deserved it, but because we desperately needed it. And that means two important things for us. Two truths that can be hard to swallow, but are so important. The first is that we don't measure up. We don't measure up. And it's not about the world's standards. That's not the standard that matters. It's God's standards. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glorious standard of God. We all fall short. We all fail. And no matter how much the world tries to tell us or we try to tell us ourselves, or we're good. We're good people and we measure up. The truth is, we don't. And that might sound depressing. <laughs> but there's more to the story. Because the other truth tells us, Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And that means that Christ makes up the difference where we don't measure up. Christ makes up the difference for us when we put our faith in him. In the year of Jubilee in ancient Israel, everyone who was a slave was set free. And everyone who was a slave master was also set free. Set free from the burden of thinking themselves better than anyone else. The Jubilee restored everyone to a right relationship with each other and with God, their true Lord. And for us as Christians... Jesus is the great Jubilee. He came to proclaim the time of the Lord's favor. It has come. Jesus proclaims that everyone is free from all kinds of enslavement. Whether it is enslavement to sin or death or to chasing the world's fantasies about what it means to be important. He set us free. From the hamster wheel that goes round and round and round, but never gets us anywhere. <clears throat> when we were blind, Jesus helps us to see that we're not better than we think we are. But we're also not worse than we think we are. Jesus helps us to see who we really are. We are God's precious children. We are made in the image of God. We bear his holy image on our lives. Even if it's a broken, distorted image, it's still the holy image of God. And he loved us so much that Jesus died on the cross so that we could be free. Jesus sets us free from the feeling that we've got to prove ourselves to anyone. For many people, that's a great, great freedom. Freedom that you don't have to try to do anything to make anyone else happy because God is already happy with you if you have Christ. 
Jesus has already proven us. He made you the way you are. He loves you as you are. He invites you to repent of your sin and to trust in him so that he can save you and so that he can give you value so that he can help you become more than you are today. But he accepts you right now just as you are. And he invites you to follow him and to serve as he served. And remember, he said, the greatest among you is the servant among you. And if you serve greatly, you are great in the kingdom of God. Jesus invites you to follow him and to serve as he served. Won't you accept his call to repent and to be set free today? I hope you will. Somebody was talking with Queen Elizabeth and she told them that she was really hopeful that Christ would come back before she died. They asked why. And her answer was, because I would love to take my crown off and put it at his feet. And that's what this hymn is about. So will you stand and join with me now and make me a captive, Lord? Verses 1, 3, and 4. 